So eight years now, you've been saved. Two thousand. What brought you to God? What brought me to God? Like what in 2015? What in that day you became God? Were you? Excuse me. The day you became saved. Basically, what I'm trying to figure out is the day that you become saved. When do you? take it to getting it all the way right. You, you get yeah. what I'm trying to Because I don't know if you become saved, because I'm saved, but I'm learning that. Is this, <laughs> I don't know if I'm right. Saying, that's right. You know, so it's like, when do you, I or, want you to, or how do you know what's right? I know you're saying Look at everything from the perspective as a marriage. Yeah. Right? Look, all right. That's a good So you get married, yeah. and you say, when am I supposed to get right? Surely you're going to learn about your marriage with your yeah. wife forever. That's fact. When at 80 years old, you're going to meet a new wife. Yeah. At 40 years old, you you're going to need, wait, you're gonna meet a new wife. Okay, like okay, in your yeah, wife, you you're going to find, yeah. you're going to continue to find her yeah. as a new wife. You're going to find new things about her at 20 years old, at 30 years old, at 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old. Every, every year there's a new finding of your wife, yeah. right? There's never a time that you get to a point where you're not learning about your wife, new communication skills. When the kids leave the house and you're empty nesters, you have spent 20 years of your life raising children with your wife. Now you have to learn your wife all over again with just you two and no other responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. So when you say, you know, when do you feel like you, you've accomplished and when you, you don't feel like that, God is God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all knowing. You don't ever know God. He's ancient. You don't ever get to a place where you know God because we're human and we're finite. Um, but you work towards that like you do in a marriage. And the most simplest thing about God is intimacy. That's all he wants is your love and your time. Like that's all God wants. Yeah. Um, obviously, as you get more mature in your walk with him, just like in marriage, you know, you think differently, you communicate differently, you, um, you know, your wife differently. You know, you're not looking at other people if you if you struggled with that before, you know, just certain things that bothered you at the beginning of your marriage, like are nothing to you five years down the line or a year down the line. Yeah. And so that's just that's literally the equivalent of your relationship with God. He does. He has factored in all of your stupidity. He has factored in all of your mistakes. He's factored in all of your weaknesses. He's factored in all of your triggers. He's right. factored in all of your trauma. And he's just like, just walk with me. Yeah. So at the core of your relationship with God is um, before God trained me on profit, he trained me on how to be a daughter. Okay. Because most of us don't know how to be good daughters or good sons because you were raised in abuse. Not everybody, but a lot of people were. And so if you were raised on abuse, most people's relationship with God is their relationship with their father. So if their father rejected them, they're always most serving a God who rejected them. relationship with God is relationship with their father. With their so, fathers, okay. right? So if you served a God, if you serve, if your dad abandoned you, you tend to serve a God who's always abandoning you when you need him the most. If you had a dad that abused you, then you're always kind of hiding from God when you did something wrong because he feels very abusive. If you had a dad that always rejected you and was never there, you always find that when you're in your time of need, God is never there. Mm. And so if you don't fix that deficit, God normally trains people up in the office of a daughter or office of a son. He's like, don't try to be anything. I just want you to spend time with me and receive love. You know how hard it is for people to receive love? Right. It's so hard. So he's like, let me just pour in love because if I can get you to believe that I am obsessed with you, if God can get you to believe that he is obsessed with you, he can get you to go against anybody he tell you to go against. 
because my leverage is that I believe God is obsessed with me. Mm. My leverage is that I believe Zechariah 2, where he says, you touch Tiffany, you touch the apple of my eye. That's dangerous. Yeah. You touch me, you touch the That's apple of God's eye. That's why I don't care. <laughs> he said, I'll be a wall of fire around about her. The mm. word fire there means the wrath of God. Yeah. You touch me, you just touch the wrath of God. So then you say, you're not afraid of somebody blackballing me? You touch me, you touch the apple of God's eye. You're in trouble with God. Mm. You the one that dared to defy the armies of the living God, not me. Do God talk to you? Yeah, all the time. So for you, because when, when they say, for me, when you say, like, literally, like, you ask a question and you just it just comes to you? or yeah, like, I get an answer pretty quickly. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and he talks to me in, in a lot of different ways. But, gosh, you caught me off guard with that question. I feel like I just something just happened, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But, um I'll give you I'll give you an example. So I was I was asleep, I was getting ready to go to sleep one night yeah. and I'll say I heard a voice which maybe sound familiar to everybody else. I heard a voice in that moment that said set your alarm for like 3:38 a.m. Yeah. It was so random. And I was like I talked back and I was like that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Why would I set my alarm for 3:38 a.m.? I don't go I like that doesn't make sense. Right. I don't even wake up that early. Right. And um, the voice got louder and louder and louder. Set your alarm for 3.38 a.m. And because I knew it was the spirit of God, I was like, let me just set it for 3.38 a.m. I feel like it's a waste of time. But because there was no other instruction. Right. I set my alarm for 3.38 a.m. It goes off. I wake up at 3.38 a.m. I obviously have to get off the pillow to get the alarm clock. I look around and I'm like, nothing happened. I get ready to lay back down. There is a huge black spider on my pillow. Wow. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> at 3.38 a.m. Right. Had I have not waken up at that time, who knows what would have happened. That's crazy. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. Um, another example is I was getting ready to go to New York City. I had a big meeting. It's one of those meetings you put on your vision board. It's yeah. one of those meetings you prayed for. It's one of those meetings that like everything in your life is getting ready to change. Yeah. And I heard, I heard a voice say, don't go to this meeting mm. the day of. Yep. So now I'm like, well, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of yeah, Jesus, because yeah. this is like one of those meetings you prayed to God about. Yep. So surely I should be able to go to this meeting. But the voice got louder and louder and louder to the point where I was like, there's a difference between hearing the voice of God and assuming why he said it. Mm. And I think people struggle with both things. You hear God say, don't do this. Don't meet with this person. Don't do this or do this. But you assume why not. Or are you suing why? So I, I knew I couldn't do it, but I was like, maybe I'm going to get robbed when I get to New York City. Maybe, I don't know, but I can't go. Right. So I canceled my plan that day, super disappointed, not even knowing if I made the right decision. The very next day, Hurricane Sandy hit New York City. Wow. Shut the city down. Wow. Nobody knew it was coming. Crazy. Crazy. I was in New Orleans. Did you ever had a meeting? No. I mean, you ever rescheduled Never went back. <laughs> Never went back. Forget it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was in New Orleans. And uh, I was, my birthday's for 4th of July. So I was down there for Essence Festival. Okay. And uh, we were getting ready to take, we were on a city bus going to the Superdome mm -hmm. for the music festival. Yep. And just before you guys say. This is right, right before, okay. like, right. we'll figure out the year when I tell okay. you. But I remember being on the bus and all of a sudden I started to cry, but it was a panic cry. Mm -hmm. And I started to scream out loud. Something bad is about to happen. Something bad is about to happen. And I don't cry. Right. So my friends are like, what is wrong? The bus driver is like, is everything okay? People on the bus are like silent. Because it was, it was a, it's something that nobody would move to say, is something bad about to happen? 
I booked me a flight home the next day because I said something bad is about to happen to right. the city. Hurricane Katrina hit it. Wow. A few weeks later. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this episode. I hope you're getting extreme amount of value. I want you to go ahead and comment below. Share with me your biggest takeaway. In addition to that, my number one goal is for me to be able to grow all of my social platforms so I can give you info, insight, strategy, and game from every platform there is. So take a minute to follow me on Instagram at Neil DeVee. So same exact name on Twitter, same exact name on TikTok, and follow me on LinkedIn at Nehemiah Davis. I would love for you to be able to be tuned into my articles and everything that I drop relating to helping you get to that next level in your life. Tune in. So you were building prior to being saved uh, as a sermon? Since I was five, I've heard God's voice, for mm, sure. Got it. So let me, before I, what's the difference between, for people and me as well, yeah. the, a prophet and a pastor? What's the difference? That's a great question. And I know we were on the phone or was talking yeah. and I was like, you ever thought about getting a church? You said, well, that's what pastors do. I'm a prophet. So tell me the, mm -hmm. like, what's the difference? Let me say this. David was a prophet and David was a shepherd. Okay. Right. And so there, there is a place where both can coexist with each other. I'm going to probably butcher the definitions of, of either or. It don't even got to be a definition, right. but like an example. I would say so pastors are very shepherd. They stay with their sheep. Got it. They labor with their sheep. They, um, they tend to their sheep. They they train their sheep. They like see the same people. They see the same people. They counsel the same people. Mm. They um, they they do life with those people, mm -hmm. right? Whereas a prophet, God normally ascend in to warn, to correct, to admonish, to um, give instruction to, and he normally sends them in somewhere and takes them right back out. Mm. And I think. My assumption is half of that reason is because a prophet is not honored in their own home. Mm. So there comes a place where you begin to have familiarity with the person unless somebody has the ability to see your humanity and still honor the call of God on your life. Most people come very familiar with the prophet and begin not to heed the warnings of the prophet because, oh, that's just Jesus. He's just a carpenter. Who does he think he is? I grew up with him. Right. You understand? But a pastor walks with the people, labors with the people. They also have a certain character about them that's softer, um, that is more compassionate, that is more caring, whereas a prophet is designed to have to set their face like a flint and have to be kind of harder because of the assignment or attacks on their life. Right. So a, a pastor more cares. Yeah. You know, worried about what people got. Absolutely, say. absolutely. Like, always got to be right. Absolutely, um, they want to hear what your problems are. Um, they want to hear the backstory. Whereas a prophet does not want to hear your problem. Tell me what it is. I can give you a solution real quick. You can keep the backstory. Mm. You can keep the middle part of it. I'll give you a great example. Um, years ago, before I left New York, I was a nail tech. I got my nail license when I was sixteen, and uh, my favorite thing to do was pedicures. Mm -hmm. And regular people want all the, like all the files filed, like you want all the callus filed off your foot, right? Mm -hmm. But I had classical dancers that came to me and they had to have callus right here, mm -hmm. right here, right here that I could not file off or it would hurt them because of what their vocation was. Right. And that was so revelatory to what I do because as a pastor, you might want all of your calluses filed off because you just want a smooth foot. Mm -hmm. But as a prophet, I need these certain calluses here because of my vocation, because if you say something to me, I won't feel it. Mm. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
can pastors make, can y'all make mistakes? Yeah. Like, it seems like, uh, well, I see mistakes, but like our people are forgiven too, I think. Cause I mean, oh, I people have, it. people have bad memories. They forgive too easy. Not too easy. That was hard to say. I believe that there's a lot of pedophiles and, and, and predators in the pulpit. Mm. Um, when you look at the history of family, you see a lot of molestation that run rampant in family and people sweep it under the rugs. Well, they do that in the pulpit as well. And I, I believe that people have too big of forgiveness for pedophiles in the pulpit. Yeah. I believe that there's a way that you could call the police, get them in jail, because nobody should be touching a three-year-old, yeah. yeah, <laughs> and still forgive them while they're in jail. If you would like to go visit them, do that there. But um, I believe that people have very short memories. Because, yeah. I mean, I see things just say, just say you may cheat or something like that, mm -hmm. but you get forgiven. Like I think that's wild. I think that's insane. I think that's insane. You know whose fault it is? It's the people that sit in the church. Mm. It's not the pastor's fault. He's going to do what he does. Mm. It's the people that sit in the church's fault because you're the one that gave him the permission to do that. Um, you know, the Bible says that the pastor has the... What is it? Um, he's in charge of your soul, right? He has like he has to keep an account for your soul. And I don't think we put enough value on our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, that somebody that can continuously cheat on their wives can have an account for my soul. If I were in their church, I would leave. Hmm. So are you ever concerned that that you could do something wrong? And, and again, you don't care about getting canceled, but just... You slip up, like somebody make a mistake. No, I, and I don't know what a mistake mean to you, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. I don't know what that mean, what that looks like, but. Yeah. So I, I try to practice that I only speak when spoken to. Mm. So I only speak if God spoke to me about something. Other than that, I leave all opinions to myself. So we see a lot of things going on right now. You, you like, I don't, I don't know nothing. No, not unless I heard God speak on it. Mm. No, I mean. So you spoke on the Beyonce thing. Tell absolutely. me about, tell me about that. Absolutely. Um, if you actually watch that video, it's called Altered at the Altar. I watched it. Yes. So, well, but if. Somebody who didn't. Yeah. But if you actually watch what happened right before I said it, I was talking about something completely different. Mm -hmm. And if you noticed, I switched immediately and said what I said. What I said had nothing to do with the message that was two seconds prior. Mm -hmm. And it was like there was a switch that came up. Now, to know me is to know I don't care nothing about her concert. I don't care nothing about entertainment. I don't care nothing about what people do, believe it or not. Um, I'm just not that kind of person that cares. Yeah. Uh, I also don't even give unsolicited advice. So unless asked, I keep my opinions to myself. Unless God tells me I have to tell the person this, I don't, I don't care. Right. Like, um, I'm minding my business. I see very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I walk in a room, I see very well. Yeah. I mind my business. God. Unless God tells me to say something, I keep it to myself. So to know me to know is that my nature isn't to say that. Because I, by nature, don't care what yeah. you do. Yeah. Um, but I knew when he had me say that, Here's the crazy thing. I asked God, which I had never asked him before, can you let this cover by God go viral? Mm. Isn't that wild? Yep. And that's because we had a speaker there, um, Reverend James Solomon. He wrote a book I think everybody should read. It's called Deliverance from Demonic Covenants and Curses. And he was there as a speaker. I thought, I was like, these prayers that he's praying are going to go back 40 years mm. to the grave and dig up what people have been bound by. That's how powerful I knew that cover by God was. I said, God, make this one viral. Mm. And that's how God chose to make it viral. That's crazy. 
It so, was viral too. Oh, it went all over the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only that could have been God yeah. when you look at 